on the podcast today, all the way from sunny Ontario, isn't it, Peter? Ontario, right? That is correct. We have Peter DeVries, and um, Peter is a current ambassador. Uh, met him at a few Grimps where he comes over, so he's got a little bit of rope rescue background as well. And primarily, he's got some arborist background, and we're going to be chatting today about Courant and what's coming down the pipeline with Courant, being a Courant ambassador. We're also going to talk about where the arb world's going in North America and some of the rescue issues from first responders responding to people, uh, you know, true arborists that are up in trees. So welcome to the podcast, Peter. Thanks for having me on, Mark. Um, yeah, so if you don't know who I am, again, I'm Peter DeVries. I live in uh, southwestern Ontario, uh, a small town called Port Lambton. And uh, yeah, I, I work for Courant now um, since 2020. Uh, prior to that, I was an ambassador and then a product tester and been having conversations with them really since 2017. So it's been a few years uh, with them and uh, it's great to be actually on the team uh, working for them, going out to uh, events like Grimp Day, uh, tree climbing championships, um, trade shows. And uh, it, it's a great experience to uh, meet so many different people in the vertical world. A uh, little other background on myself. I've been a firefighter also for 16 years here in the small town that I live in. I've pretty much uh, did every position there i'm currently back to a firefighter but i've been our training officer captain uh, uh, district uh, chief um, but now with my new role here with Quran, it's just a little too much so just step back down to a firefighter and then like mark mentioned uh, i've been an arborist since uh, 2014 uh, certified through the isa which is the international society of Arboriculture, and i uh, was working for a municipality here as a city arborist uh, just north of here in the city of Sarnia. And uh, that's kind of where I fell in love with uh, rope and everything to do, whether it's climbing, uh, splicing, uh, just working with rope. So it's been uh, a lot of fun. Wow. So there's a lot of stuff to break down in here. I've got some notes going already. Um, <laughs> Well, let's start with the beginning of your conversation. You said, you know, you're on with Courant now as an, uh, you know, kind of full time in the, their team. But you started prior to that. You had mentioned a, a couple of things you had done, like kind of like an ambassador for them doing some product testing. So before you came on with Courant in the capacity you are now, what did that look like? Like what kind of thing did that do? And people hear like, oh, you're they're an ambassador for a company or they're doing product testing. What does that entail? Yeah, so when I started the conversation back in 2017, um, there wasn't really a lot of products over here in North America other than a couple of bags that we are familiar with, like the Cross Pro and the Cross Rope. Other than that, there was no other climbing lines, slings, hardware uh, over here. Uh, so that conversation started with uh, Peter Thiel, and he asked me if I was interested in trying some of the stuff because uh, I think they were trying to ramp up to see if it was worthwhile to come over to North America. So I got to play around with some of the products um, that was in the line. Um, 
in 2018, um, started getting a couple of their climbing lines, like Arbor's climbing lines, and then the Koala tree climbing harness as a prototype. Uh, it was sent out to people across Europe, um, Asia Pacific, and then uh, here in North America to product test, get feedback to get to the model that we are currently at and selling. Uh, 2019, I was asked to become an ambassador. Um, so basically what we are now um, relying on our ambassadors for are um, to showcase our products, rope, harnesses, bags, slings, hardware. Um, a lot of them work in um, larger companies or they have their own company. And they also do a lot of competition climbing or external training within their own company or with other um, arborists. So it really gets a lot of people with their hands on our product to get it more recognized and known over here in North America. Because uh, as of 2020, all that you could really find in North America were those two bags. You could purchase this all in Europe, but most people over here aren't searching out what climbing lines uh, were using in Europe at that time. So once 2020 came along, that's when I started working for them, um, setting up some dealers uh, throughout Canada and the U.S. that uh, had shown interest uh, back in 2019 at a tree care uh, trade show called TCIA uh, Expo. And uh, so just reconnecting with these people and seeing if they were still interested in carrying the products. And that's how we made our slow start. And obviously it was pretty slow in 2020 because we had this thing called COVID happening. And, uh, but in, in a roundabout way, that slow start was really beneficial for us to really get everything set up in the way we uh, wanted to roll it out here in North America, which right now it's going great. Right on. So there's a few points in there that I kind of want to hit on. Um, Peter Thiel, you mentioned, I throw a shout out to Peter. He's a great human being. If anybody here in the rescue or, you know, rope access arborist that's listening to this is in Holland. Look him up. He lives in a town. It's just north of Amsterdam, is it not? It's all full of windmills. There's great little pubs. It's crazy. Yeah, he's uh, he's a great person. Um, he has now moved on from Courant. Oh. Um, he uh, moved on at the end of April. And uh, so we wish him the best on his uh, next end of endeavor. Right on. Didn't know that. So, well, there you go. A little bit of a news flash on the podcast. I uh, <laughs> talked about the rope getting picked up. And I know we picked up ours initially in Europe. We couldn't get it in North America at the time. And uh, just a you know a funny little side story. It was either you or Karantz. Uh, I don't know who does their social media. When we damaged uh, one of your ropes the other, just like last weekend, there was some funny back and forth on the social media. Um, how do you find the ropes being accepted in North America? Uh, very well now. Um, it was a like I said, it was a slow start, partly due to COVID and partly due to not anyone over here really knowing that we make ropes. Everyone assumed we were a bag manufacturer because we had the Cross Pro, uh, the Cross Row dock bags. 
those are all very popular items <clears throat> over here in North America. And when we brought over the ropes, they're like, oh, you make ropes? Like, do you make your own ropes? And uh, Kron's been making rope and rope products for almost 200 years. Since 1825, they've been doing this. Um, so when we tell everyone that, they are very surprised. And um, but yeah, that's whether it's an arborist or even now with some of the rope rescue teams, um, the the rope is becoming well received uh, and uh, very exciting to see everyone excited about a new product as well. Right on. Um, so with your current position now in Courant, what's what is your you know your week or your month look like like are you going out and visiting people or is still doing r d for them you're overseas talking to is nicholas Courant still involved in it i take it yeah yeah he's still there uh monday to friday every day unless he's out uh on uh like a, a business trip but yeah he's uh at the factory every day still uh so yeah my my role now uh, is kind of pretty much everything you just listed. Um, my title is marketing and product specialist for North America. Um, my counterpart uh, in Europe, is, his name is Josh Hundermark, uh, and he looks after marketing and he's the product specialist for Europe. But we work closely together. We don't look at it as that's his market and this is my market. We, we, we team up on a lot of stuff, um, just that it stays consistent and everyone's getting the same information. So yeah, on a daily basis, I'm talking to people like, like yourself, Mark, um, dealers, uh, other uh, end users that have questions, um, product training with some of our dealers, uh, just so they can get more information on all of our products that they're selling and, and that we sell and i'm pretty much gone about a week a month uh, whether it's a tree climbing uh championship or a trade show whether it's rescue world or tree world um i just got back from a workshop with red river rescue down in kentucky um, that we did some uh, rope rescue and tree rescue uh, uh, scenarios and training um, and yeah head to grimp um, so yeah it's it's very busy very busy right on um, a couple other things you said during your intro uh, you were a certified arborist and I mean my ignorance I didn't even realize that was such a thing um, could you kind of, you used an acronym there and explained it, but could you break down that a little bit more for the people that are, you know, listening to this and a lot of rescuers here going, I know there's dudes climbing or girls climbing trees in my city, but didn't realize there might've been a certification for that kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. So I, I took an apprenticeship, an arborist apprenticeship here at the a local college. Um, that's where I really got into the tree world. Uh, that way, once I was finished that apprenticeship, then I applied to the ISA Certified Arborist, which, again, it's the International Society of Arboriculture. They have several different uh, designations and cer uh, certifications. So Certified Arborist is just one of, I think, uh, maybe eight that they offer. Um, 
it basically more knowledge, more time in the industry, you can apply uh, for these different certifications. One is a like a municipal specialist. So if you work for a municipality or a city, uh, you have your time in, you are a certified arborist, you can then apply for these other certifications just to give you some more credentials in the arboricultural uh, industry. Um, so basically certified arborist just means you've taken a test doesn't mean you know how to climb. Um, that's also a tree uh, climbing specialist. That's another certification, but um, that's kind of like the minimum um, that people look for uh, when hiring. Uh, you know, tree dynamics, tree structure, different diseases, your types of trees that are out there, um, basic climbing knowledge. And this is all done through a test. And if you get a, I believe it's over 75% uh, average uh, over there's like 10 different uh, domains, then you become a certified arborist. Uh, with that, it's good for three years. And in those three years, you need to get um, CEUs, um, so education credits. So whether it's going to conferences, attending uh, a tree care workshop, um, there's online stuff that you can take, um, seminars just to gain and keep up with your your knowledge in the arboriculture industry. So you're not just oh I I'm one and done and I know everything because you're you're learning every day. So that's basically that in a nutshell. Because, yeah, anyone can be a tree climber, anyone can be um, a tree cutter, but the difference between that that guy with a pickup truck and trailer and someone who has a credential, uh, like a certified arborist, can make a big difference in uh, the care of the trees that uh, you have on your property. Okay, no, that's, that's really interesting. A couple questions now out of that. So going on a bit of a tangent here but i like it um yeah no problem throw this one question out because i get this a lot and i mean depending on who i'm not right depending on which organization i'm employed by on that particular day and which rules i have to follow the question to this or the answer to this question is always different what's the minimum size tree i should be anchoring to on my rope rescue system there we go from an arborist well, that's a loaded question because there's lots of different factors that uh, could be involved in that, um, the variety of trees. So that's, again, that that knowledge base of knowing what you're climbing on because there's strong wood and weak wood. There's strong attachments and weak attachments. So what you think would be, oh, that looks like a small uh, tie-in point could be super strong because of the type of attachment and the type of wood you're climbing on or you could potentially plummet out of the out of the tree because you tied into uh, a small attachment point and didn't realize you're in a weak uh, wooded tree or a weak attachment point so there's no real like uh, you can climb a eight inch uh, diameter tree to 50 feet. It's really knowing those tree dynamics and 
yeah, the difference between like an arborist and say a rope access person, a rope access person is generally tied off to an engineered anchor point where there's no such thing in a tree. So it's really time, time in a tree and knowing the types of wood that you're climbing in kind of determine your tie-in point, which again, you get up to your tie-in point because you want to see what you're tied into because that's where you're working from. And sometimes you have to readjust because what we see from the ground could be completely different looking at the top end of your uh, tie-in point. Could be all rotten. There could be a hole right there. You don't know until you inspect it. And then if that's the case, you would uh, make yourself safe by lanyarding in and changing over your tie-in point to a more suitable spot since now you can see uh, while you're in the tree. Okay. Um, you mentioned that there was a tree climbing certification as part of the arborist certification spectrum. Is that a certified course someone has to go on or is the, are they testing skills? Like you go out to whomever and get training and experience and come back and get tested by them. Uh, what does that look like? Yeah. So I, I, myself, I haven't gone through that program uh, through the ISA, but uh, basically once you're working for a company or a municipality, or even if you have your own business after so many years that you can prove that you've been climbing um, with documentation of this, then you can apply uh, to become a certified tree climber. And from that, you take a test, you'll do actually a climbing test. So they'll set up stations in a tree that you need to get to do your tie-in points, know your uh, climbing hitches, your equipment that you're using. And once you pass that to their um, grading process, then you would gain that additional credential that you could put under your title of uh, if it's your own business or you need it as a municipal arborist. Some places they want all certified arborists, all uh, tree climber specialists, all municipal specialists. So those are all things that uh, as you gain more knowledge in the industry, you can apply for these to get these credentials. Okay. Um, and while we're shooting down that path, we might as well go there is so you people hear a lot of different things about like single rope or double rope techniques and arborists and they hear about, you know, Kimbo's and rope wrenches and all this stuff from the rescue point of view. And we've had a couple arborists on over the years of this um, podcast, but things are changing pretty fast in that industry. Could you kind of give. I know this is like a, a huge question. I'm not trying, you know, this can be a bit tough to unpack, but could you kind of give an overview of what climbing as an arborist looks like? You talk about tie-in points, you talk about, you know, some of these different things. And so are the lay viewer out there that's fire rescue or, you know, uh, search and rescue that's dealing with, hey, there's some guy hanging in a tree in my district. What do I do? Um, you know, what is, and I'm not, you know, we're not going to run a course here, obviously, but um you know what is some of that stuff some of that terminology what does that look like when you get to a tree and go to climb it yeah for sure so well we can start with like the basic terminology um you mentioned like double rope and srt those are some of the older terminologies that are still used quite often in our world um srt uh static or single rope technique and um 
double rope DRT um, is now can be broken down into two things because it can be a double rope technique, but what it was in Arborist was um, a moving rope system. So now that system um, you're, cause we only climb generally on one climbing line in a tree. So whether it was a double rope technique, it was still only a single rope. So that's why they've come up with these new terms called SRS, which is stationary rope system and MRS for moving ropes system. So basically the difference between the two static rope is exactly what it sounds like. The rope is not moving. You climb up the rope and move with the rope um, out on the limb, but the rope isn't moving, it stays static. And MRS, a moving rope, sometimes it'll be through uh, just the crotch of a tree, uh, a friction saver, a pulley, and the, the rope is constantly moving. So as you climb, ascend into the tree, that big loop gets smaller and smaller. And then when you descend, the loop gets bigger and bigger. So it's the, the rope itself is moving um, on itself. So those are the two like general uh, types. So within that, you generally start off when you learn how to tree climb in the moving rope system with, uh, you can just do it all just with one rope. You don't need pulleys and all that stuff. Uh, you can just climb a closed system, uh, climb on a Blake's hitch and away you go, but it's not very efficient. So you start incorporating pulleys and then from pull, pulleys with hitch, uh, hitch cords, and then from there, you advance into uh, mechanicals like uh, zigzags from Petzl, Akimbo from Rock Exotica. Um, there's Spider Jack from Art. So these are all just more efficient tools that do all the same. And obviously, the, the more metal there is, the more expensive it costs as well. Um, so generally, you climb that to start your climbing uh uh, career and then you venture into uh, SRS, the static or single rope uh, systems, and then you can uh, upgrade your hitch climber pulley setup by adding a tether and a rope wrench. Um, you're most people are used to climbing with a hitch and a pulley, so it's just adding one more piece of gear, and now you can ascend into the tree a lot easier using your leg muscles instead of hip thrusting. So it just becomes a more ergonomical way to climb into a tree and work. You can stay uh, on single rope uh, using uh, the rope wrench, a rope runner, a Kimbo. Um, there's tons of different devices out there to get you into a tree. But if you are more comfortable climbing and moving through the tree, uh, moving rope, you use that as your elevator. Uh, climbing SRS, get into your tie-in point, change over to your moving rope system, and now you can work top-down and work the tree in a more comfortable um, climbing technique that you're used to if you're not used to climbing a single rope. And a lot of climbers do just one or the other, or there's lots that will do a combination of, of both because again, ascending into the tree is a lot easier, especially if you have to do a 80 foot climb to use your leg muscles instead of hip thrusting. Okay. And now some of this equipment is 
starting to move back and forth between realms. I mean, I don't see a lot of Kimbos or rope wrenches in rope rescue, but knee ascenders are starting to make their way across, as we say, uh, or if I've already said, some of the ropes are starting to make their way across. And, you know, the back when I first started playing in this game, arb ropes were very different than rescue ropes. Is that still the case? Or have they uh, started moving to more? Yeah, like there, I would say that, uh, yes, they are still completely different. But with that said, there are a lot of ropes that are the same. Like, for example, like uh, one of our current lines is called Rebel. That's an 11 mil, 32 strand current mantle rope that is both designed for arborist work uh, in SRS and then also access and rescue work. So there is uh, lots of carryover. Now you don't see many 24 strands or 16 strand ropes, which are primarily uh, tree climbing ropes in the access and rescue world. So that's where there's the differences. But once you get to that 11 mil, 32 strand um, construction, definitely the two can um, uh, carry over to both realms for sure. And then, yeah, with foot and knee ascenders, um, that's how we're sending into trees a lot easier is using foot and knee. Um, access and rescue, you have a crawl, foot, hand ascender. But now you start to see um, some of the people climbing, uh, ascending the ropes, adding a knee ascender. Um, and if you watch an arborist ascend a rope and you watch uh, rope access or rescue person ascend the rope, you're, you would ask the question, and arborists would ask the question, why do they climb like that? Because it's a lot easier to do it this way. So I think we've taken a lot of uh, ideas, products from that realm and put it into trees. And now the, the, some of the products that are, were designed to be worked in trees can now carry over into uh, the access and rescue world. Uh, one of the climbing devices that is you'll see in, in both realms is the Taz Love because um, it's great for ascending. It's easy to get on and off and you're in uh, ascend mode. And as soon as you stop, you're already, you're already in descent mode once you take off your foot and knee ascenders. So for tree work, um, going out on the limbs, it's not the greatest device. But like I said, if you are one of those climbers that I'm just ascending into a tree and then I'm going to switch over my system to something that I'm more comfortable with. It makes a great elevator device to uh, get up and down. Yeah, and as you mentioned, yeah, I think they're on the Taz Love 3 now. And you see that uh, in rope rescue teams fairly regularly at this point. Yeah, definitely. Whether they're using it to ascend or using it like uh, in their, their rigging systems as well. Okay. Um, now we had talked offline. You, there's two different types of knee ascenders, or probably more, but kind of two primary types. And just because a lot of rope rescue people see this, could you kind of break that down just a little bit, a couple different types, and how they work, sort of thing, or how they're used? If that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, there's two in, in our world. There's two really popular ones. There are multiple ones out there now as other companies are putting them together, basically all do the same thing, but it's what works best for 
um, your particular climbing style. So the two in that you see a lot in our world is the the Sokka um, and the Hops. So they both have a foot strap, um, have a, a rigid section that goes to um, a cam device to or an ascender to, to grab the rope while you're making your steps with your feet. So as you lift your leg and your knee goes up, it follows with you and it's connected to a bungee. So you have that stretch. So then when you step, take your next step, it will slide up the rope. And when you put weight on it, it catches. So it's basically, you're literally just walking up the rope. Um, yeah, there's lots of other ones out there. And a lot of people just make their own too, because all you need is an ascender, some bungee cord, a foot loop. So if you don't have the money to purchase some of these, because they can be rather expensive, you're able to um, recreate these, or you could be, you have this in your kit already, um, but it's something that you don't use every day that you can slap together with, like I said, a bungee foot loop uh, and a piece of cordage and away you go. If you have a homemade uh, knee ascender. Okay, so just to break it down for the, the listening audience, we're talking about a knee ascender. We're talking about clipping a Taz Love to, you know, your regular rappel point, your ventral point, and using that kind of as uh, your safety on this single rope as you're climbing. Do you have a foot ascender in play as well with the knee ascender? Yes. Yeah, definitely. You have a foot ascender and depending, some people will use a hand ascender as well, just for, um, stability and just ease of, uh, ease of climbing. Um, as like we were mentioning about climbing lines, uh, a lot of Arbor's climbing lines are that 11 to 13 mil. So, uh, a lot of like 24 strand ropes are 11.7 to 12 mil. It's a little bit easier on your hands when you're, when you're gripping it over a long period of time, you're climbing up and down all day long. So once you get to that 11 mil and gripping it constantly, um, it, it is a lot of, um, pressure on your hands, your joints, your elbows, uh, your forearm. So if you incorporate a hand ascender into some of these systems, it makes it a little bit easier and you don't tire out your, uh, your muscles as quickly. Okay. Now, um, I didn't really prep you with this question. So I just throw that <laughs> there as a disclaimer. So you're, you're worked fire and still do. And I mean, I've worked fire for, uh, almost three decades now. It's almost done. <laughs> um, I show up in the big red shiny truck. And there is a climbing arborist hanging in a tree. What hazards do I need to be aware of? And what are some things I can do with regards to rescue here? And I mean, once again, we're not going to teach a class here. As a side note, I do think it'd be highly valuable to bring you across and run a class. We did one many years ago, but I think it's probably time for another with the change in techniques. But, you know, as that first responder, you know, we're not going to get into, you know, rig a rope here kind of thing, but what are some of the hazards they're going to be looking for? And what are some of the solutions that they can do in a very general term? Yeah, well, for the first first point is not every fire department 
knows how to do aerial rescues with ropes. So not every fire department has a rope rescue team. So that could be, you're already behind the eight ball for a rescue. And if you have a big red shiny fire truck with a elevator device, like whether it's a, a, a T-Rex with a articulating boom or a ladder or a platform, can you gain access to the tree it could be in the woods. It could be in the backyard. You might not have access. So then next would be, can I get a ground ladder to this person? But before any of that happens is why is that? What happened to the climber? Uh, did he cut himself? Did he have a medical emergency or maybe he came in contact with a power line? So those are all things, um, even as an arborist, a firefighter, a rope rescue, um professional when you go to a tree rescue it's it's looking what why is this person in the state that they're in because you don't want to become a second victim because if it's because he's contacted uh a power line is the power line in the tree or did he just touch it with one of his tools so those are all things that you want to keep your eye out for now, obviously, if it's maybe they're, they were doing a, a, a rigging technique and it went wrong and they blew out a tie-in point or that, that log that they were cutting out or limb they were cutting out swung back and struck the uh, climber, is that still in the tree? Is it tied off? Um, can it come out and potentially harm more people that are underneath uh, the person being rescued? Because uh, at some point you're going to have to gain access into that tree, so it's really making the site the the site safe to work in, and just doing your 360s like like we should do when we go to a fire call. If it's there's fire on a building, you don't just run right in. Um, you do a 360 to see what 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 you have, and then you you basically gain uh, your game plan from there. So it's very similar. To, to that, you, you want to have a game plan, but knowing ropes, uh, knowing uh, tree dynamics definitely helps. And one thing firefighters can utilize is the if the guy that is or woman stuck in the tree has a team on the ground, use them to know, okay, what kind of tree are you in? Uh, was he in a suitable tie-in point? Uh, gain as much knowledge from from the team that knows tree work what uh, rather than just guessing and running in for a rescue okay there's a couple of points or items you mentioned in there that i want to kind of break down just for that first responder you say tie-in point what do you mean by that like if you're a firefighter or a rescue technician arriving to this and that ground crew says Oh yeah, I blew or she blew a tie-in point. What does that mean to that rescuer? Yeah, so a tie-in point is where you're tying into the tree um, to gain access uh, at, to do your work uh, aloft in a tree. So there's a couple different tie-in points that you can use or tie-in point ways that you can get into a tree. So you can do a canopy tie so you're using, uh, you're basically cinching the trunk or limb that's up in the upper canopy, and that is your tie-in point. So you've cinched a canopy tie-in, 
or you could be basal tied in. So your rope is just going over a branch. It touches the ground where you're ascending, and then it's tied back to the base of that tree. So what you can do with a base tie-in, um, potentially it doesn't always work because if you are cutting in the tree and you cut yourself and you're now in trouble, you're supposed to be tied in twice when you're doing any work with a work positioning lanyard. Uh, but a basal tie-in, you, you can potentially lower that uh, victim in the tree to the ground with other equipment or lots of people that do tie, do that type of tie-in, they will all already have like a rescue set at the base of that tree. But if they're tied in with a lanyard or can't get their lanyard off for you, then you're gonna have to ascend into the tree. So those are your two types of tie-ins. Um, now, if you're climbing that single rope, now if you're climbing moving rope, the same thing, you're canopy tying uh, with a friction saver and you have two ropes going uh, around that. Um, so again, you're going to have to gain access into the tree. You can't just lower that person um, from, from that tie-in point. And then the other thing you mentioned is there might be a load swinging there. I think a lot of people out there think, you know, the arborist just goes up, pulls out the chainsaw or the bandsaw, whatever they're using, it just chops a limb off and the thing just plummets to the ground. That may not be the case though. Yeah, that's correct. There's lots, lots of times you can do that. Um, if you have the space and room, uh, there's no targets on the ground, but if you have a large limb going over a glass uh, house or, or uh, even a really nice house roof, um, you're going to have to rig that down so there's again that we could talk about this for days the different types of rigging um but basically uh we're going to take another tie-in point it could be an arc in the tree that i'm climbing in or you could be using another tree as a tie-in point for the rigging or you could be using both to do span rigging so there's there's lots of different options and and that's where it comes down to the, the climber really knowing the type of wood uh, and uh, these point, these rigging points, are they strong enough for that size of limb or do I have to cut it smaller so I don't blow out a rigging point or take out my tie-in point because it, it was too, too much weight and now the top of the tree where I tied in also broke over. So these are all things that you gain more knowledge as you become more familiar with tree work. So, I mean, the, to, you know, one of the nightmare scenarios that a arriving rescuer could have is the top of the tree's broken because it wasn't strong enough with a guy hanging or a girl hanging there unconscious with a swinging quite heavy load now in the middle because it was caught and broke the top of that tree, as well with either a saw or a chainsaw swinging underneath them while they're lanyarded in on some sort of lanyard into the tree and also on a rope system. Yeah, that's uh, the perfect storm, which you hope you never have to go to. So then it's really, you got to gauge, okay, you got to mitigate all the, the risks that are there to make that, uh, that rescue. Now, unfortunately, with the scenario you, you just described, 
it's probably going to be a recovery. So then you have more time. But if that person is still alive and still is rescuable and have life to rescue, then it's yeah mitigating that that swinging log. Okay, how can we make that stable? Where can I tie in uh, into this tree now that just failed? The top just failed. Can I get high enough to get to this tree uh, to this person, or can I tie into another tree that's nearby and ascend into this tree? So there's lots of different uh, options that are be going through your head uh, to make this rescue and. I don't wish that type of rescue on anybody, let alone uh, a firefighter that has no rope uh, rescue experience either. No, and I, I bring this up. It's near and dear. <clears throat> many years ago, one of my first uh, tree incidents was a arborist who's on a system, plus also lanyarded in a brachial cut with a chainsaw. So it was a recovery. But um, when you show up and you see this person hanging in a tree, like, you know, 50 or so feet in the air with blood completely down the, the trunk of the tree and you're sitting there going, all right, this is a bit unique. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's like, yeah, that would be a, a scary sight to see. And that the, the victim up in the tree or patient in the tree could be screaming or they could be just unconscious because of the pain or the blood loss that they had. Um, cause a chainsaw doesn't care if it cuts through wood or cuts through flesh, it's going to do the exact same thing and it's going to cut through us a lot quicker. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of little hazards up there. Um, have we missed anything kind of from the Arab section of it, either that you want to talk about or something that I've missed in the the first response aspect of it. I mean, like I said, we can go down this rabbit hole forever, but just kind of the general overview. Um, yeah, I think we've touched on, on a, a base for sure. Like I said, we could talk for days on this. Um, I think the, the biggest thing for uh, rope rescue professionals, whether it's rope rescue teams that are doing these rescues or the fire departments is really bringing local arborists in and doing trainings with the fire department or arborists going to fire departments to to show hey this is how we rescue um a victim in a tree these are the systems we are using and give them just some basic knowledge on the tree dynamics and tree structure and the types of woods that are out there but i think a uh, collaboration uh between arborists and firefighters and rope rescue uh, professionals is a is a great advancement for both industries yeah and i'd mentioned offline we had brought rich hattie up years ago to uh spend a couple days with us and you know something that was very useful and probably needs to happen again with someone like yourself as i mentioned but we, we came to two real big conclusions on that because rich was saying very similar to what you're saying is talk to the local arborist in your city we contract that out in our city and Rich took away from, because it was hosted by my fire department, and he took away that, yeah, I'll just go rescue my own buddy before you guys show up, because once you guys get there, it's going to slow this process down an incredible amount. Yeah, definitely. And uh, last year, I did a, um, a rope rescue event uh, with one of our dealers out in New England, 
and um, I invited uh, Michael from Corvus Professional. He's out in Boston area as well. Uh, he's also a firefighter, and then he has a uh, rope rescue uh, training uh, business. And I asked him to come out so that to really hit home to the arborists that self-rescue is best, but if that can't happen, then your team needs to be able to rescue because don't rely on calling 911 as your rescue plan because he showed us what his fire department would do if they showed up. And it's there, they were really like shocked on how long it took, why they did it that way. Uh, and um, that there's way better ways to do it. And so that's where we're kind of hitting home back to the arborist world that, hey, you guys need to train on this because it's something that, yeah, we do maybe want. It, it's mandatory uh, for most companies to train on this once a year. So, but once a year is not enough because as soon as you are done that day, you don't think about it again for 365 days. You forgot everything you just learned. So really practicing and being efficient, it could save your life or your teammates life because the fire department is probably not going to save your life. Um, true <laughs> on this particular one. And I mean, I don't mean to speak down to the fire service. I are one. No, they're amazing. But, yeah, we, we, uh, we both are, but th that's just reality of, um, especially like for me as a, uh, a rural fire department, uh, we're paid on call, but it's like we were a volunteer fire department. So we have someone stuck in a tree. Well, that call goes into 911. Then it goes to the fire department. Then it, they dispatch us out. Then I got to get to the fire hall and then get to. So there's lots of time that has gone by. So it's not necessarily that the firefighters couldn't rescue. It's more a time issue because if you have cut a major vein or artery uh, with a chainsaw or even a handsaw, because they're very sharp, the new ones that are out there, um, the, the time that it takes to get them there before they even start their rescue, it could be already too late. Yeah, I mean, even us in the city, uh, we're a paid department. I mean, by the time rescue gets called and shows up, I mean, the first arriving engine crews there, yes, but... They're standing at the bottom, kind of looking up, maybe grabbing a, a ladder off the truck if they have something that may even come close to reaching, depending, like you say, where it is. You know, hauling a ground ladder through the woods for a bit is always a bit of fun, too. Um, yeah, it just takes time. Definitely. Um, you just mentioned that you're down with my friends from Red River, and I shout out to them. Uh, what kind of stuff, like, were you looking at with them? I mean, they're a rescue training company. What were you doing with them in particular? Yeah, so uh, we actually, uh, LeCrant sponsored uh, their team with uh, rope, bags, slings, hardware for a couple of their Grimp um, and Rescue Great Day uh, competitions. Um, so it's just nice to connect with some of these teams that are using our products and showing it to their networks to have someone from Courant to also come out and uh, give an explanation on, on the products. And due to the nature of what I was previous as an arborist and as a rope, I'm also Sprat certified, so I do have rope uh, access. 
and rope rescue uh, from the fire department uh, background. So it's just nice to collab with like-minded people and uh, put on, uh, this was just a two-day workshop to just get the feelers out to see, oh, is this um, something that we can do with other uh, rope rescue teams and training facilities? And yeah, it worked out great. Um, day one was um, uh, advanced rigging for AHDs. And uh, we were using monopods, uh, vectors, and then we just incorporated as much current products um, as possible. So all the lines, climbing lines or access rescue lines uh, were Rebel, uh, the 11 mil, and then um, incorporated slings, carabiners, uh, Odin rings, just to make these systems um, usable, uh, user-friendly, and get people also thinking outside of the box, hey, there's other ways to do this. And then with that, I wanted to uh, bring down the whole tree care side of it. So I brought uh, our tree uh, care lines, uh, Kamora, uh, Kalimba, Squeer. So they're all different uh, construction types, different diameters, uh, and then brought down all the different uh, climbing devices that you'd see in the ARB world um, just to get these rescue professionals and firefighters to be like, Hey, if you go to an arborist rescue, this is some of the stuff you're going to find and see. And what we did was we had all of them become a victim and then rescue the victim. Um, the victims were all in tree care harnesses as well to make it a little bit more realistic. Um, so you had the tie in points from a rope bridge and not just your, ventral or sternal connection or a reverse D on your back. Um, so it made it a little bit more realistic for them. They got to rescue in their harness that they would wear. Um, so they're familiar with their tie-in points, but then to get familiar with where the tie-in points are on a tree care harness and, and where some connections are better than others. Um, or if there's two rope bridges versus one rope bridge um, and then get to use all these climbing devices and get a feel for how quick, how slow, how hard or how easy they are to use. Um, Cause again, when they go out to a rescue, you don't know what they're going to be on and you're only used to what you know. So it's just, again, kind of expanding the knowledge out to the vertical world that, Hey, there isn't, just IDs or clutches, you might've come across some of these other things and they're in the Red River Gorge. So they have a lot of um, rescues uh, for rock climbers. Um, and then with arborists, I know that do some rock climbing because they don't want to buy more equipment. They'll end up using some of their uh, tree climbing equipment. So again, you could be coming to rescue from uh, a rock face and you're expecting it to be, oh, it's good. I know what they're going to be using. And next thing you know, it's a rope wrench or something because that's what they had. So it just, it, it's great to uh, expand that knowledge and introduce um, different techniques, uh, how to get into trees, how to rescue people in trees. Uh, what we're used to as like a two, two rope system 
in access and rescue. Okay, no, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, I tell you, that was probably pretty well received down there too. Yeah, for, uh, the feedback uh, during the course uh, was was great. Um, and then uh, we put out a survey or uh, Jeremy from Red River, they put out a survey to the students to uh, uh, respond back to say, hey, what they like, what they didn't, is there anything we can make better? So we're just waiting. Uh, it was just last week. So we're just waiting for a week or two to go by to make sure we get everyone have a chance to uh, put in a um, comment. And then he'll share that with me as well. But he said he's, he had already got six back within two days and they were all positive. And uh, again, it's, it's just nice to be able to share different ways of doing things and just kind of opening everyone's mind up to it's not just this way or we did it. We always do it this way. So it's the right way. So there are other ways to do stuff and still be safe. Well, that makes a ton of sense. So um, I think a lot of this is good crossover and it's, it's interesting how many years ago, maybe seven or so years ago when rope access was getting bigger and bigger, a lot of fire departments started down that route, not only just with the training of their members, but also, just that identification of these things may be occurring in your response district and you might get called to this and this is what it could look like. And now we're finally kind of hitting on the same thing with arborists. Hey, there might be people in ro on ropes and trees in your district and you're going to show up and, you know, what are the hazards and the rescue techniques now for this? Yeah, totally. And, and the funny part is there's our arborists have been around for a long time, but you, you, you just kind of, you tend to forget about them or as a fire department that you just assume, uh, well, they, they can handle themselves, but sometimes that doesn't happen. And, and showing these fire departments and firefighters, the, the stuff we're climbing on as an arborist, um, it, I think it is very beneficial to uh, get their hands on this equipment and know how it works. Right on. Uh, is there anything we've missed or is that pretty much a wrap for today? No, I think that's a good good start. Uh, maybe this is part one of uh, a series or something. <laughs> no, absolutely. And like I said, maybe uh, some face-to-face -face and then, you know, kind of break this out again. There's a lot of stuff to take away from this for responders in this world. So it's good to know. Definitely. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to uh, coming out uh, out west and uh, working with uh, you and the Ronan team. Yeah, right on. Well, we'll make that happen. Thanks again for coming on. It was great to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me and uh, sharing uh, the time to uh, tell a little story on Arborist and the, the vertical world. Awesome.